So last week, we kicked off the Rooted series, and I love this series because I believe um, that what we are rooted in matters. I believe that it is important to establish our roots deep in the things of God. And we're about to be digging into the book of Mark. And so if you want to do some homework uh, for the weeks to come, we're going to spend a long time, uh, maybe this entire semester in the book of Mark. And so you can read ahead uh, for the test in that. Uh, We learned last Sunday that the word is the seed and our heart is the soil. Uh, There's four types of heart conditions and soil conditions. There's hard soil, there's rocky soil, there are uh, thorns in soil, and there is good soil. Jesus said, those who have ears, what? Let them hear. And so I'm going to try to do my best to let you hear this morning the word of God. But we know that the seed is not effective if you plant it in concrete. Nobody goes out and decides to plant a garden in fresh concrete. That would be called crazy, right? You would say that's probably not very wise. Nobody's going to plant a garden in the middle of gravel, and no one's going to find the the weeds and the thorns and say, that's where we'll plant the garden. No, you're going to look for good soil. And so I want to encourage you from last week, if you could take something away, our responsibility is to steward the condition of our heart. And so as we approach the Word of God today, my prayer is that our heart would be in a position to receive from the Lord. My prayer for you this morning, I've been praying Colossians 1, verse 9 through 12 over you all. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Bearing fruit, everybody say bear fruit. We're going to talk about that a lot today. Bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience, giving joyful thanks to the Father. I I want you guys to be planted by streams of water and that you would bear fruit in every season and that your leaves will stay green. I love what 2 Kings 19 says. It says, in the remnant who have escaped the house of Judah, hear this next part, shall again take root downward and bear fruit upward. I read that and I was like, I think that's a word for us today, that we would take root downward and that we would bear fruit upward. This paints a picture of a beautiful, fruitful life that as my roots go down, that fruit is going up. I'll say it this way. As your roots grow down in the things of Christ, my prayer is that your fruit would grow towards the things of heaven, that your life would would be like a glimpse of heaven for people who have not encountered the Lord. This is what God desires for our life. Um, I want you to write these three things down. There's uh, different types of fruit we're going to talk about today. The fruit of your lips, the fruit of your life, and the fruit of your labor. The the words that you speak, the way that you live, and and everything that we put our hand to, uh, my my prayer is that it would be blessed and it would be uh, glorifying to God because the fruit of our life is directly connected to the roots of our life. Meaning simply this, this is pretty simple stuff, that our roots determine our fruits. And so I want to gently and kindly nudge you a little bit this morning. Is that okay? Just to challenge a little bit. Maybe today is a good day to evaluate your roots. 
I think today is a great day to, to look around and, and see what we are planted. And I want to ask a few questions as we set this up this morning. What are you rooted in? Where are you planted? What fruit is being produced in your life? And what do you want your life to look like in the future? Because we all need to know the answers to those questions. Uh, a, about a week ago, um, my family, we took a trip to Heaven um, Sam's Club, uh, for those that were wondering. And uh, we, anybody like Sam's Club? It's the best. And we all know you don't go there just to get groceries. You go in for that gigantic slice of pizza in Jesus' name, all right? You're going for the hot dog, the pretzel, the slushy, and you could feed a family of 27 for about 13 bucks. It's incredible. And I lo we love Sam's Club. So we were gonna take a family uh, trip to Sam's Club and we had the three kids and we got the stroller, we got the giant buggy and we're going around and, the, and I was very frustrated because the, the food court was closed. I found out they closed earlier than the store. I'm not mad, I'm not bitter about it, I'll be fine. Um, I was just standing looking into the pretzel thing sad. <laughs> and uh, we got groceries and, and we made it out of Sam's Club in one piece. Can I have an amen? Okay. We get outside and it's a little windy. It's very cold and it's, it's not really raining, but it's kind of misting enough to rush through the parking lot to try to get the kids loaded up in the car quickly. And so we, we are loading up the kids. Kendra's getting the girls loaded up and, and I've got Zane next to me and uh, I'm unloading the cart, trying to get the stroller in the car. And you know how you play Tetris with all the boxes and all the things. I don't, wanna, I don't want everything to fall out when I open the car when we get home. And so all of this is going on. I turned to my son and I said, Zane, I need you to stay right here. I said, don't move. Whatever you do, don't move. Stay right here. You can hold on to daddy's shirt. That's kind of a new thing we're practicing. I need you to stay right here. Whatever you do, don't move. And my, my son, because he's very respectful, he says, yes, sir. You know? <laughs> yes, sir, daddy. And so he, he's holding us. And he, y'all, he passed the test. He said, yeah, I know. He's so sweet. And he stayed right. He stayed put. He didn't run into traffic. People drive crazy through parking lots. I'm just saying, some of y'all need to slow down. Get that driver's license revoked in Jesus' name. And so I'm like, you just stay right here. Don't move. He, he stayed there. He didn't move a muscle, but he's looking around. He's looking at all the cars pulling out. There's horns honking. There's all these things that are going on, but he did not move. And I want to ask you a question. What do you think would have happened if he decided that he was going to not listen to his father's voice? What do you think would have happened to Zane if he decided to do what he wanted to do in the parking lot, I would say probably he would have learned a hard lesson. He probably would have ran off. He could have been hurt. He could have been, uh, he could have, somebody could have took him. They would have brought him back. Somebody could have took him. All of these things could have happened. He could have went his own way. But this is what I know is true. He probably would have been lost. He probably wouldn't have known how to get back to me. Anytime we're in public, I tell him this one because people are creepy. There's some creepers out there. And this is what I say, son, you stay next to me. Because as long as you're connected to me, you're going to be all right. As long as you're connected to me and you stay with me, you're going to be safe. I can provide for you. I can keep you out of harm's way. You'll be taken care of. But unfortunately, as a child of God, I, I can tell you this. There have been so many times that I did not listen to my father's voice. So many times that it was so clear and evident that God was telling me to do this or to not do that or to go this way or to not go that way. And you know what Seth did? I took my own advice. Last week we said, don't listen to your heart. It'll lead you astray. I'm going to make up a new song. <laughs> my voice is cracking. I'll stop singing. 
What, would, what happens when we leave? What happens when we don't listen to our father? I, I don't know about you, but I became an expert in running from God. Living in sin, submerging my life in things that bring God no glory. And I can tell you today from experience, it causes so much pain, so much regret, and so much rotten fruit. But I can also tell you, I know what it's like to remain. I'm not an expert at it, but I know what it's like to stay connected to my my father. I know what it's like to stay connected to the source of life and to stay and to remain and to abide. And today, it's a very simple message. And if you want to know the direction we're running today, it's this, the result of remaining. What is the result of remaining? This is what I believe. I've learned that I I will reproduce whatever I am most connected to. I will duplicate what I am most dedicated to. Whatever has the most of Seth Tom Bowley's attention is going to have my devotion. It's going to determine the fruit of my life. I learned many years ago that if I want a God-honoring life with vision and direction and passion and strong relationships, a strong marriage, kids that love me, better health, all of the things, more strength, more clarity, more peace, more kindness, more love, more joy, more patience, all of it. If I want a life that honors God, then I need to evaluate where my roots are planted. I need to evaluate where I find myself. What has the most of my attention? We have to remain in Jesus. Would you write that down? Remain in Jesus. It's very simple today. Remain in Jesus. Everybody say remain. It's interesting because in John 15, this very famous passage, it is a beautiful passage of Scripture. We're going to unpack this in a second. But I learned something. This word remain, or in some translations, abide, uh, it's mentioned 10 times. Now, I'll say it this way. When my wife says something one time, I better listen. She'll say, what? I told you so. Nudge your spouse and say, I told you so. Okay, we've all heard this before. So she tells me something once, I better listen. When I tell my kids something twice, it's one times too many, right? You better listen. When Jesus, in one setting, in one conversation, says the same thing 10 times, and I don't know any other place in Scripture where this happens this much, he says, remain in me over and over and over and over again. I want you to check this out and, and, and see this in the text. It says in John 15, remain in me. I am the true vine yes. and my father is the gardener. Yes. He cuts off every branch that, in me that bears no fruit while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. This is awesome. It says, you're already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. This is Jesus talking. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. In the original language, this word remain or abide, it's, it's the word minnow. Everybody say minnow. minnow. Y'all ever try to catch a minnow before? It's a different, different word, okay? <laughs> Minnows move fast. You, can't, you can hardly catch those. They're, minnow is the opposite. It means that you stay put. 
that you don't move from this place, that you remain, that you abide. It's the same exact word that Jesus tells his disciples. He's about to go to the cross. He's about to be falsely accused. He's about to be arrested. He's about to be crucified for the sins of humanity and then raised from the grave. But before he goes, he looks at his disciples and he says, hey guys, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. He says, stay here and pray. And what do they do? They fall asleep. It gives me, it gives the brothers some hope because they couldn't figure it out. He goes, he spends time with his father. He comes back and he's like, y'all couldn't even stay awake. They wake up. He's like, stay here and pray. He goes and he comes back. They're still asleep. And this thing happens a few times. Stay, remain to loiter. Have y'all ever seen the signs that say no loitering? Right? It's outside of businesses or they're usually on a front door. Somebody will have it outside of their house occasionally. I don't, I don't know anybody loitering outside your house, but it's don't loiter. There's no loitering. This word can be broken down into loiter. If Jesus could stand on stage today and hold a sign, it would say this, please loiter here. Please hang with me for a little bit. Hey, please stay here. Please don't move from this place because I have something for you that I want to do inside of you, but you can't see it and you can't receive it if you keep leaving. Remain. Jesus says, loiter here, stay here. What's wild is as I prayed about this, this just jumped off the page. What's wild is that our soul and our spirit long to loiter in the presence of God. God literally created us to linger in the presence of God, to be drawn to the presence of God. I love after a powerful Sunday or a powerful life group or a worship night or any kind of gathering with a group of people and God moves, people hang out afterwards for a little bit. Y'all ever notice that? People just kind of hanging out. Sometimes we got to flicker the lights, be like, hey, y'all need to go home. Your boy got to eat, okay? Like, <laughs> I'm trying to go get some, some lunch, some Arby's, like, we, we loiter, but why do we hang out? Why do we stay? It's because everything inside of us, every, every part of our inmost being was created to give God glory and worship. And so when his presence is here, which we know that he is here, we are hardwired to worship him. It's not a coincidence. Verse 5, it says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Y'all say much fruit. Say it with a little confidence. Say much fruit. I want to bear much fruit. It says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and it withers. Such branches are picked up. They're thrown into the fire and they're burned. It says, but if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is beautiful. This is to my father's glory that you would bear much Fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. We're going to come back to that. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. I want to point a few things out before we go and play in the snow this afternoon. All right. Verse 1, he says, I am the true vine. Would you write down Jesus is the true vine? Why is Jesus saying I'm the true vine? Why didn't he just say I'm a vine? He says, I'm the true vine. I am the real vine. I am authentic because with every truth, there comes a lie. 
With every real thing, there comes a fake thing, a counterfeit. And what Jesus is saying is, I am the real source of life, and there will be counterfeits that come. There will be phony vines. There will be fake vines. There will be gimmicks. There will be superficial vines. I want to say it this way. When you yoke up to and connect your life to a superficial vine, it will produce superficial fruit. Another way to say it is it will produce rotten fruit. Anybody ever seen like moldy, like you go to open your strawberries or blueberries, your fruit, and you see mold? Some of y'all are like, I'll rake it off, you know, dust the haters off. I'm going to eat that. I, I got a weak stomach. I see mold. No, sir. Can't handle it. I ain't eating rotten fruit. Some of you are like, I'll just cut the mold off. I just, I don't, we're going to pray after service, all right, for that. It's interesting because superficial fruit is fruit that only pleases you. In my life, when I was pursuing superficial things, the only person it was pleasing was myself. It was a selfish way of living. But here's the beautiful thing. When you connect to Jesus, who is not superficial, he is supernatural, you will produce supernatural fruit in your life. Meaning this, it is much more than you could ever do on your own. I I love this next thought. Fruit in our life exists for others to eat and experience, not you. I want to paint this picture. Make sure you don't miss this. The fruit in your life exists so that somebody else can experience you and see you and hear you and see Jesus. So there's superficial fruit, and it's all about me, 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 me. It's all about what I want. Then there's supernatural fruit, and the goal of supernatural fruit is so that people would see it and taste to see that he is good. So why does God want me to be fruitful? So people would see my good deeds and glorify my Father in heaven. Why does God want me to be fruitful? So that my light would shine before others and they would glorify God. Why does God want you to be fruitful? Hear me. So that somebody else could take a bite of your life and get a taste of heaven. Not because of you, but because of who you're connected to. And he is good. And he is the source of life. And he says, in me, you will bear much fruit. And this is what he says, showing yourselves to be his disciples. I always say this, listen, if we have to tell people that we are a Christian, for them to know that we are one, there's nothing wrong with saying you're a Christian, by the way. Please don't take this out of context. But if you have to tell someone you're a Christian for them to be aware that you are one, something's off. I'll say it this way. If you are solely relying on your Instagram and Facebook bio, and your statuses that you post to win the world to Jesus, if that is you, the only fruit in your life, I'm telling you, you may be missing it, and I want you to lean into this. Galatians says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. This is the Seth version right here. Get out the driver's seat. <laughs> let God lead you. Let God steer your life. Let God direct you. And then it says, then you will not be doing what your sinful nature craves. It says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the fruit of the flesh, this is what happens. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition, division, envy, drunkenness, and the list goes on. Many things like this. Those are the fruit of the flesh. I've lived in those. But listen, when we are connected to superficial things, fake vines and and bitter vines, we will produce superficial fruit and bitter fruit, rotten fruit that is pleasing to nobody. But there's good news. Tell your neighbor, say, there's good news. Because with every bit of bad news, I love God, there's good news. 
The, but the Holy Spirit produces love, joy. Peace. Anybody need some of that today? Peace. You, me too. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Proverbs says this, that the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. I don't know about you, but I want to win souls this year. I want this church to win souls this year. I want people to see your life and say, I want to be like that. They got something that I want to be a part of. So we are the branches. God is the father. uh, He's the gardener. And Jesus is the true vine. This is a powerful illustration. Jesus talks about, I am the shepherd. You are the what? The sheep. This is what I know about sheep. Y'all ever seen the video where sheep jump, that jumps in the ditch over and over again? That funny video, it's like just jumps back in there, gets pulled out, jumps back in there. Fly away, moth. Um, ADD. Where was I? Jumps in the sheep. Thank you, sir. Um, or the sheep jumps in the ditch over and over again. That's a beautiful picture. The shepherd leads the sheep. You come to the shepherd. The shepherd will guide you, protect you, keep you from harm. You, you, could get it. you can live a little long. You can live a little bit if you get disconnected from the shepherd. A sheep will survive. It just ain't going to have a really good life. Probably exposed a few wolves, the elements. Somebody's not going to trim its hair, take care of it. But listen, this picture of the vine, and Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he says, hey, I don't know about you, I'm not a horticulture expert, but what I can tell you is that if you cut a branch off and it loses its source of life, it dies. It withers away. And he says, we throw the branch into the fire. We are the branches, and as a Christian, we have to know this. Jesus is our source of life, and apart from him, we can do nothing. We will never outgrow our need for him. So as an adult, when you grow up, you become more independent. As a Christ follower, as you mature and grow up, you become more dependent upon Jesus. And the day that we think we've outgrown our need for him is the day that we have probably stopped bearing fruit and we're not connected to him. We are the branches. Tell your neighbor, say, you're a twig. You're a cute twig. You're, you know, you're cute. I don't know about you, but I've had many seasons where my life was not bearing good fruit, and it just seemed to be dry. I love what my pastor often says. He says, there are many people who've lived for the Lord for 20, 30, and 40 years, but they repeated year one over and over again every year. Can I tell you that God has something new for you? He doesn't want you to repeat last year. He doesn't want you to live off of past victories. He has something new that he wants to do in your life. He wants to bear more fruits in your life. So in this passage, there's a no fruit follower of Jesus. There's a some fruit. There's a little bit of fruit follower of Jesus. And there's a much fruit. This is where I pray we land. A much fruit follower of Jesus. And something that keeps me up at night as a pastor, if I could be honest with you this morning, is knowing that there are people that are just satisfied with being a Christian, being saved, that they're, they're secure in their eternity and they could care less about anybody else going to heaven with them. That's a no-fruit follower of Jesus. No intention to share the gospel, no intention for the fruit of the Spirit to be evident in your life. And then it's like the some-fruit follower, we get pruned a little bit, God moves a little bit, and we become a, a, a person who bears much fruit. In verse 2, it says, He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. I'll tell you this, God wants to remove some things in your life that are not producing good fruit, but He's a gentleman, And he would much rather you allow him to do that. 
He doesn't come in with an axe just cutting things down. He's capable of doing that. He's God. But there's something about surrender. God, I want to give you this thing that I'm holding on to. It's not producing fruit. I want to encourage you to do that. What's beautiful is the proper translation for this word cut off is actually lift up. Uh, I had a buddy. I tried to grow peppers last year. Y'all remember uh, talked about a lot of that. I'm going to try again this year. It's going to be way better. Uh, but he came over, and he was looking at my, my pepper garden, and, and I thought the more leaves, the better. The more leaves, the more likely that there's going to be good fruit. But what I learned is the, the leaves that were hanging off and the branches that were hanging off close to the ground, they were dragging in the dirt, and it was exposure to insects and disease. And he said, if you don't trim those off, he got through there, he was trimming it off. I was like, what are you doing? Don't be messing with my peppers. And he said, if you don't cut these off, the whole thing will not produce fruit. But if you trim these back, it will be more fruitful. It makes sense. You know, some of us, we have some things in our life that are dragging the ground in the dirt. And God wants to lift it up. Did you know that his grace will lift you up? His mercies are new every morning. It'll lift you up. His word is a lamp and a light to your feet. It'll lift you up. It'll guide you. His love will lift you up, but let him lift you up. It says, while every branch does not bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be more fruitful. I'm going to fast forward. It says, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Will you write that down? Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. The word nothing here in the original language, it means nothing. <laughs> it means nothing. We, we can't do anything without Christ as a Christ follower. It says, this is to my father's glory that you would bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I love what John 13 says in, in verse 35. It says that your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. When we lived in Maumel, the first house that Kendra and I uh, lived in in Maumel, we were student pastors and we were uh, trying to figure out how to be married, how to have a house, all these things. And we had a water leak in the ceiling. And it was over our kitchen, and I remember uh, trying to figure out what is going on. Why is, why is, the, why is the drywall wet, and, and, and how, is this, how is this happening? So I went into the attic. Uh, has anybody ever crawled through an attic before? Have you ever crawled through an attic in shorts and a cut-off T-shirt? Yeah, no face protection through the insulation. I, yeah, I had a friend that did it, and um, it was me. <laughs> and so I crawled all the way through the attic to the other side of the house. I am covered in insulation. I didn't know, I didn't know any better. And I was on the other side, coughing, sneezing, eyes are watering. I'm itching. Oh, it's just the worst feeling ever. And I am covered head to toe in insulation. I was in there for two hours. I was sweating in the middle of summer, and I had insulation in every crevice possible. And I crawl out of the attic. We end up getting a professional um, because that's not me. And he comes and fixes the problem. But when I got out of the attic, anybody who looked at me knew exactly where your boy has been. Seth's been in the attic. And he was dumb not to wear pants and a long sleeve shirt, you know. <laughs> but they knew because I had residue on me from the attic. I had insulation on me from the attic. And this is my prayer for the church in 2024 is that any person that encounters you on a daily basis would have no question where you've been. That they would see residue in your life of remaining in Jesus. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. Man, there's something different about them. 
There's something different about how they talk to people and talk about people and respond to adversity. They must be connected to something. They know something I don't. Listen, showing ourselves to be a follower of Jesus, my prayer is that we would have residue. You want to know what residue is? It is what remains after two things collide. Residue happens when you're close enough to something, when you're next to something, that it begins to rub off on you. I love what it says in Acts chapter 4. It says, the town saw the boldness of Peter and John. People recognized that these were normal men that had been with Jesus. That's my prayer. Because when we linger in the presence of God, when we abide in him, when we loiter, people will be able to tell where we have been. So the question that Andrew and I were talking about last night, Pastor Andrew, uh, is why do people not remain? Why do we not remain? And I just, I want to give you a couple of thoughts. Why do we not stay connected to Jesus? Would you write this down? Number one, our timeline. Number one, our timeline. Oftentimes, when things do not go as planned according to our timeline, as fast or as slow as we would like for them to go, sometimes we run. And we would never come out and say this as a Christ follower, but in our hearts, in our head, this is kind of what we're thinking. I wish that God would kind of get on schedule. We would never say it, but I've kind of thought that in my heart before. I wish that God would catch up with, with my dreams and aspirations. No, 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 no. Our timeline gets in the way. Number two, our prayers. Well, Seth, how can our prayers get in the way? Let me explain. It's when our prayers get answered differently than we would like. Anybody have an unanswered prayer? Thank God for unanswered prayers. I think it's a country song. Listen, the prayers were not unanswered. They were just answered differently than we would like for them to be. Oh, I begged God for some relationships to happen, and thank God they did not. Oh, I, I begged God for that job to work out or this opportunity to, oh, thank God that it did not because I thought I knew best, but God knew best. But what happens is if things don't go according to my timeline or according to my prayers, so, so often we leave him. This is how God answers prayers. It's yes, no, and not yet. And what's sad is that oftentimes when it's not yet or it's no, we try to take matters into our own hands. The third thing is our agenda. This list could continue for the sake of time. Our agenda, oftentimes our plans and our will in our own way, when something doesn't happen how we would like for it to happen, we don't remain, we run, and we do this, we retaliate. You want to know what retaliation is? It means that you decide your own steps. You lead your own way. You submit to your own word. I love what the Bible says. Abraham, he didn't see a promise come to pass until the end of his life. But you know what? He stayed faithful. He remained. David, we studied him this last summer. Opposition after trial, opposition, he remained. Joseph, the dude got betrayed by his own family, and he stayed faithful. The disciples, their timeline, their agenda, their prayers, everything was jacked up. Happened different than they wanted it to, but they remained and they stayed. I, I've, I've learned from studying the Word of God and studying men and women of faith that I look up to, the longer that you walk with Christ, the stronger that you will get. The longer that you walk with Christ, the stronger that you will get and the stronger that he will be inside of you. The longer that you abide in Christ, the stronger you'll get. The longer that you suffer for the sake of the gospel, 
standing your ground on this side of eternity, the stronger that you will get. I have actually become a tea connoisseur. Uh, any tea drinkers in the room? Not sweet tea. I'm talking about like the black tea and the, the green tea and all these other weird teas. Don't drink sleepy time tea on your way to work. That'll really mess you up. Um, but I, have, I, I love yerba mate. Oh, yeah. And I took a mission trip to Argentina over 10 years ago, and, and I was in college and uh, we went there to share the gospel and do this VBS for a bunch of uh, Argentinian kids. And there was uh, over 100 people that came to know Christ. It was an incredible time. But when I walked away, I want to let you know and confess something and be healed this morning. I smuggled about five pounds of yerba mate back into the U.S., all right? They said, you won't get across the border, you know, with, with the yerba mate. And I said, oh, yeah, I will. I wrapped it in, uh, you know, dirty underwear and clothes. And I'm like, somebody's digging through that. They can have the yerba mate, you know? And so... The yerba mate made it back home in Jesus' name. But this is what I learned. Everybody drinks their tea differently. Now, some people like weak tea. That's not me. I like, I got to have it strong. This is what they'll do. If you want weak tea, you'll get a cup of boiling water, and you'll just kind of dip the tea in. Just kind of dip it in, and, oh, that's good. Drink it. That's, that's not really good tea. Now, some people, will, they will get tea, and they'll dunk the tea into the hot water, and then they will pull the tea out after a short amount of time, and it's called the steep time. Any, any tea people, okay? You know what, Seth, though? I have to be honest with y'all. I dump the tea in, and I leave it in there, and I will drink it out of a straw. Why? Because I want it as strong as possible. I need as much caffeine as possible. They're passing this gourd around this circle in Argentina, they pack in the yerba mate. They shove this metal straw in with a spring on the bottom. It's really sketchy looking. I drank after 47 people that day. And it's this huge gourd, and they pass it around, and they let that stuff sit in boiling water for over an hour. They never pull the tea out. They keep the tea in the water. And, y'all, I drank it. I was like, something else is in this cup. This is powerful. It is strong. And I, I was laughing writing this down. I I learned in my life, short amount of time that I've lived for God, that the longer that you abide in Christ, the stronger you will be. Some of you are bearing bad fruit, or some of you are not bearing much fruit, and it's because you are dipping in and out of the things of God according to your own will. And I just want to challenge you this morning and nudge you when it comes to church, don't be a dipper. I'm not talking about tobacco. Don't be a dipper. When it comes to the word of God and reading your word, don't be a dipper. Fully submerge yourself into the things of God and you will see fruit in your life. When it comes to serving and prayer and fasting and all of these things, submerge yourself in the things of God. I love what Psalm 73 says. In verse 23, it says, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you'll receive me to glory. We said at the beginning of service, take root downward and bear fruit upward. And we only can do that by remaining in Jesus. Last thing I want you to write down is this. Establish a trellis for your life. Establish a trellis for your life. I love that Jesus uses all of these agricultural terms. He's ministering to the people and what would best relate to them. And he gets on their level and he's talking with them so they can understand it. And, and this vine that is being spoken of, the exact illustration is this grapevine. And if you know anything about vines, that they're, they're a climbing plant. I'm not a plant expert, but just go with me. And they climb up a structure that is called a trellis. 
The goal of a trellis is that something can start down here and it can be rooted and it can grow up. And I think for some of us, we need to establish a trellis in our life. What does that mean? If you are a follower of Jesus and there's no rhythm or no pattern or no kind of structure set up in your life to fully submit to the things of God, I wanna encourage you, get in the word of God daily. Allow God to speak to you before you go to work or school. Listen to some worship music. This is your trellis. You're growing towards God daily. Put on the armor of God daily. Plant yourself in the house of God on a weekly basis. Get in a life group. We're launching life groups next Sunday. Get in a serve team. Start serving the kingdom of God. We got prayer and fasting kicking off in the morning. I double dog dare you. Wake up at 6 a.m., Turn on your computer. You can stay in your pajamas, whatever you need to do. It's going to be cold outside, but God will move right where you're at. Press into the things of God. Establish a trellis for your life so that you can grow close to him. This is the last text, verse 9. It says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. He says, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and my, your joy may be complete. He says, my command is this. This is Jesus talking. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. It says to lay down one's life for one's friends. If you are my friends, it says, you are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business, but instead I've called you friends. He's a friend of sinners. For everything that I have learned from my father, I've made known to you. I love this next part. We gotta, we gotta really get this. You did not choose me, but I chose you. We talked about it at Christmas time. We did not find Christ. He found us. He wanted to be found by you. And he appointed you so that you might bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that you, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. It says love each other. I want us to be very confident in this, this morning. I want you to make this personal and say, I'm chosen by God. I'm appointed by God. I'm connected to the true vine. I will bear fruit that lasts. I will seek God for his provision and I will love others well. If we can wake up and know that this is true, I'm chosen by God, I'm appointed by God, I'm connected to the vine, I'm gonna bear fruit that lasts, I'm gonna seek God for his provision and I'm gonna love other people, well, I think we're gonna be all right. But hear me, please, everybody look at me real quick before we pray. Just like my son in the parking lot at Sam's Club and he stayed next to his father, can we remain in Jesus? Can we stay close? Can we abide in Christ this year and stay connected to him? I wanna pray for you. Lord, we love you and we thank you, God, for your word. We love that the word says, blessed is the one who trusts in you, whose confidence is in you. God, I pray that as a church, as individuals, as families, God, that we would plant our roots deep into the things of God. God, that we would uproot things in our life that are not bringing you glory, that we would be deeply rooted and deeply planted in you. God, I pray that even today, as we were talking through bitter 
fruit and rotten fruit and superficial fruit. God, I pray that we would begin to identify those things and allow you to remove them from our life, to cut them off, to lift them up. And God, I pray that the areas in our life that are producing fruit, that you would prune them, that you would cut them back so that we could bear more fruit, so that people could see more of you and less of us, God. I pray, God, that this year as a church, every time we face opposition, that we would simply see it as an opportunity for you to receive all glory and all praise, Lord. So across the room this morning, God, I pray that each person would know what step they need to take and that they would simply take it. We trust you, we need you, and we want to abide in you. In Jesus' name, all God's people say, amen. If you would stand to your feet, we're gonna close in worship.